When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Odell Beckham Jr. made the catch with one hand for the touchdown. Wow, what a catch by the rookie. Ridiculous. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Wednesday. Chris McMonagle here with you in the overnights. Got you for one more hour to the warm-up show. 877-337-6666. Yes, we opened up with the Knicks today. 108-103 victory over the Nets as they do what they do. They beat a net team, a lousy under 500 net team, and the Knicks are now 19-0 against under 500 teams, which means they're 8-17 against teams over 500. So one of these things is not like the other. So it's a good win and an embarrassment. I mean, listen, I-, I hate to keep harping on it, but uh, you know, the idea that we have some kind of rivalry, this is the end. I mean, the 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 atmosphere in that building was was laughable. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I I don't know. Maybe I don't maybe I I never paid attention to it before. I know I got, I got a lot of flack on on Twitter for downplaying the um for downplaying the rivalry. I mean, this is the end. We're not talking about it. Stop asking the players about it. I mean, that was a Nick game last night. That was that game might as well have been at Madison Square Garden. You were getting Brunson MVP chance in the first half of the game. This is halfway through the season. This is not the last day or two where the season's over. I know the Nets are terrible and have just been absolutely brutal down the stretch. Uh, and you know, I heard uh, Jerry talking about it a lot yesterday that both teams were thirteen and ten at one point, and clearly one team, with the help of a brilliant trade for OG Ananobi, uh, have now been, you know, one of the better teams in the NBA. And the other one just continues to lose and blow fourth quarter leads, specifically as the Knicks were down nine heading into the fourth quarter. But I never really, I never really doubted it because the the Nets blow leads as they did the other night. What was it a twenty two point? Uh, def- a 22-point lead to the to the Clippers or something. They got, they got outscored 41-15 to 15 in the fourth quarter to blow the game the other night. They blow this game with a nine-point lead hanging into the fourth quarter. That's what they do, and this is what the Knicks do. They're a little sloppy. The one thing about this trade is that since the uh, OG trade, they do lead the NBA in turnovers. They do have a lot of turnovers. They're a little careless with the ball, and we've seen that at times, and we saw that at the beginning of this net game. But ultimately, Julius Randle, 30 points. Brunson, 30 points. And you ride those two guys the way, you know, they, they've just been riding these guys to victory. And obviously, OG's been a part of it. And we've seen depth, too, as Hartenstein couldn't play in the game. And we saw Sims come up and have a good first quarter. Had four blocks in the game. Uh, Chua had nine rebounds from the bench. I mean, guys have stepped up all year. But beating the Nets isn't that impressive, quite honestly, even with a nine-point deficit in the fourth quarter, and certainly not in a building where you're getting <laughs> cheered and down the stretch of that game. I mean, the crowd erupted. They had that play that Brunson is now called the play of the year where they have a couple of block shots right around the rim, a couple of offensive putbacks from the Nets blocked. Uh, Hart saves the ball just before it goes out of bounds, which honestly, if you look at the replay, I'm not so sure it didn't bounce out of bounds. I thought it might have hit the line, but anyway, he gets the rebound. 
gives it ahead to Randall. Randall feeds to Brunson, who feeds back to Randall for the dunk, and the crowd erupted like it was the garden. So stop telling me about the rivalry. I've, it's, it's a, I'm sorry, there is no rivalry. No other rivalry in the city. There is not another two teams that could play each other in any scenario where the, the road team would have a feel like that in that building. Sorry, and this isn't to kill Net fans or anything. I'm just tired of the there. there there's no rivalry. This and, and who cares about running the city or whatever? It's just it's a Nick town. It'll always be a Nick town. And unless the Nets are going to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie and uh, James Harden or whoever else, and be one of the best teams in the NBA, the building's going to sound like that. And it was fun to watch as a Nick fan, but ultimately, it was kind of embarrassing for the Nets. But hey. Doesn't matter. Knicks get another win. They get a. They have a game against Denver tomorrow night. They have a Saturday matchup against Miami, who just got uh, Rogier. Who, so now they're going to be a little bit better. And it's time for the Knicks. You know, as much as you want to continue that nineteen and zero against under five hundred teams, it's time to change that eight and seventeen against uh, above five hundred teams. So that's where we are at the Knicks. We talked a little bit of uh, Yankees as well. Of course, it's Yankee hot stove. The Yankee manager making a couple of admissions that I was surprised when he spoke to uh, the afternoon drive show of Evan and Tiki. A couple of real surprises for me. Uh, We talked about it. The idea that, um, one, when asked about additional pitching pieces, he pivoted right to the bullpen. I think we all know it by now. The Yankees are not adding starting pitching. You can forget about it. He also talked about how much faith they have in Rodon, which had a lot to do probably with them not adding that pit that the, the being spurned by Yamamoto and then being told no on $150 million contract to Snell led to it as well. But they do believe that Rodon can be that second starter. And then finally, the one for me that was pretty much really significant considering the talk about Stanton and the feel about Stanton and what he's been the last two years. Yes, he's slimming down, which just means losing muscle mass because the guy doesn't have an ounce of fat on him. But... He is slimming down. He's going to change his body type. He understands what he needs to do to make it through 162. But when asked about the possibility of him being a platoon player in this crowded outfield, specifically when Dominguez comes back to play center, when asked about possibly being a platoon player against left-handed pitching, Aaron Boone said, he said, are you there with them? And he said, not yet. Not, Evan, you're stupid. You and your silly beard are ridiculous. And there's no way that that a former MVP, middle of our lineup guy making $30 million a year is going to be some platoon player. We expect him to be in the middle of our lineup and be an incredible player. Oh, that's what I thought you were going to get. Instead, you get, no, we're not there yet. Which means we think we may get there. And we're planning as if we will. Which is the first real admission from the Yankees on Stanton. And I understand for many of you think, well, geez, Chris, that's a, that's an easy admission. Look how bad he's been. The Yankees haven't been there with that. The Yankees have said nothing, even in this offseason. Stanton, uh, you know, um, Cashman has talked about how much they expect from him. I mean, Cashman had that thing with, you know, with, with his agent or whatever, but, like, they've talked about what he needs to do and that they expect it. And so to admit that you you could be looking at a part-time player really fascinated me. And then the other story we haven't got a uh, chance to get to, or a couple of them actually, uh, the Hall of Fame and then the Rangers. And let's just get to the Rangers for a second, who blow a two 
two-goal lead in the third period of this game against San Jose. They jump out to the early lead. Fox gets a good goal up front, and uh, Panarin uh, puts one in as well, and they take a two-goal lead into the third period and blow this game and lose it in overtime. And, you know, you look at the game, and a telling stat for me is no power play goal, no victory. That's what we're learning from this Ranger team. Now, listen, they went in with a two-goal lead without having one. They, you know, they blew it. They absolutely had a, a horrendous giveaway that got the that got the the scoring started for San Jose. And then, you know, in overtime had a, a pick of Zabanajad. He went to go find a stick. I I you know, instead of getting back into play and making sure he could at least cause some traffic and allowed a wide open pass that led to a wide open net and led to a goal that ended the game. But you know, this Ranger team is now, I believe, 11, 11, and 3 over the last 25 games. After the 18 and 4 start, they are now a 500 team for a pretty good clip. And the scoring from the, the, the secondary lines has not been there. The goal play and the defense, the, the, the goaltending and the defense has been shaky. And ultimately, they live and die with their power play. Now, it's an excellent power play, but they live and die with it. And if you do not get power play goals, you do not win. That's been the Rangers' MO here. And, you know, you can you know chalk it up. They're still in first place. It's, uh, you know, on the road, but a two-goal lead in the third period. That's a game this Rangers team needs to win. They let a point slip away. Now, they did get a point taking it to overtime, but they let a point slip away here. And it's getting to the point now where... They, they built this massive lead and out in front of the division, but it is slowly, slowly slipping away. And you're going to see, I mean, Patrick, right, we had yesterday, what was the, the, the quiet revolution or the silent revolution that is the Islanders? That was still a great quote. What a great call that was. But, you know, even though they lost, Patrick Waugh is going to change around the Islanders. Obviously, the Flyers are right on their tails. This Rangers team has got to figure something out. And they've got to add more depth at the deadline. Drury's going to have to go out there and figure out a way to improve this team. Igor has to play better. The the the, the they need depth. Hopefully, you know, uh Yidl's coming uh Yidl's coming back. Uh it sounds like he's back in New York. Hopefully, he'll be in a uniform soon. And they need to get more depth. They need to get scoring from their second from their bottom two lines and they need to figure out ways to get scoring 5 on 5 and not rely so heavily on their power play. But that was a disappointing loss for the Rangers as they blew a two-goal lead in the third period. The Knicks had an excellent win. And the Yankee discussion continues uh, to evolve over this must-win must season and this all-in offseason that ultimately is going to be underwhelming. And this rotation is not going to be good enough. All that's left is a couple of bullpen pieces. And you hope that this lineup can can carry a couple a rotation with a bunch of question marks in it. And ultimately, it's just not good enough. And you heard from the manager. Uh, they are done with the starting pitching. Rodon better be good, and we expect him to be. And yeah, Stanton might be a role player on this team, which is shocking to me. Or at least that they're open to that idea. Just not yet means... We'll see what happens when Dominguez gets back from his injury. 877-337-6666. Eric and Ron Conkoma. What's up, Eric? 
Hey, good morning. Can you, uh, good morning, brother. How are we doing? I can hear you good, loud good. and clear. Uh, two, two quick things, real, uh, if I can, before I get to the streaming. Yeah. Um, you know, what's the – you mentioned the Knicks record against, you know, 500 or better. What, what's their record, though, after the uh, OG trade, though, against the 500 team? I'm no, curious I, I, about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm off the top of my head, they, they lost to uh, Dallas and they lost to Orlando. They beat Minnesota. I can go check it, but the, I mean, if we're going to say yeah, because they, no. if they're yeah, if they're five hundred from this point on, then that yeah. would you know would would be much better against those you know that that level of team as opposed to. No, I understand it, but still, so, you, you'd have to admit this this run has been mainly built on the backs. I mean, they beat Philadelphia, oh, sure. they beat Minnesota, sure. but they they've played a lot of you know lesser teams. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I'm just saying it's it's a good test here, Denver and Miami, the next two nights. Go out and win a right. couple ball games. Go right. out there and play well right. and figure out a way to win against you know against two good teams. Miami just improved themselves. Right. Uh, go yeah. out there and 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 win a couple games against good teams because you know what I'm just. Oh, my yeah. point was is that as 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 nice oh, as it is, is to come back from nine sure. points back in the fourth quarter, you beat the lousy Nets yeah. and they've been excellent, and that's a mark of a good team. Beating the teams you're supposed to beat, totally agree. And they've done it every single time, which is impressive. They haven't had one slip-up. But now it's time right. to change and, that other record. Right. And as far as the, the Rangers, uh, real quick, I mean, that that record you rattled off is, is close to a third of the season. So that, that in itself is kind of telling. But No, uh, it is. They're five, yeah. they've, they've been a 500 team for the last – for almost a third of the season. You're right. Right. Um, look, if you – I mean, you know, not, uh, I've always said, you know, the, the Stu is the best, but – you know, had you grabbed my call before his, I would have, you know, because uh, that's why I called about the streaming. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the, with that. So yeah, but uh, he he didn't. So like the idea that he, I knew he. Well, he, yeah, he right. Yeah, Yankees. Yeah. He will always change right. his call. He's going to old school. I'm talking about. Like if like yeah. the other night we had the big thing on the wedge salad. If I would have taken a call from right. Stu, he he would have been right. on the line wanting to talk about the Yankees signing Snell, and he would have transitioned to the one time he had a he had a wedge salad. Eating the wedge salad while he's watching the Yankees. Yeah, it was right 1977. Um, I'll never forget it. It was the summer of '77. Everyone was worried about the everyone was worried about the 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 killer out there running around on the streets, and I was having a wedge salad, and all of a sudden the lights right. went out. It was it was ninety two degrees out in the street. I had to walk home. I'll never forget it. But man, that wedge was delicious. Like that would be the call right. I'd get from Stu. Yeah. Um, look. The, the, so you were right. The, the majority of RAW was on USA. It did it did pivot to uh, uh, Spike at one point, which mm-hmm. I think now is Paramount. But uh, uh, it was it was on Spike TV for a little bit. But it went back to USA. I was at the very first RAW that they ever had. Really. Um, Wait, now they, so, yeah, they, yeah, that first they held that raw at a uh, under Manhattan uh, Center at the where the Manhattan Center. It was the Manhattan little, Center, so it was there. It was yeah. there every week. They didn't travel the way they travel yeah. now. Right, right. It was there for I don't remember exactly how long. At least a year, and then and then they started, you know, because the the ratings were really starting to go, you know, go through the roof. So they, uh, um, you know, uh, started traveling at that point. I mean, that, that that's where you know you had. Uh, X Pac, you know, but at that point he was the one, two, three kid beat Razor right. Ramon, you know, and all that stuff. But yeah, I was there for the first night. It was pretty cool. And uh, yeah. the, the girl I was dating at the time is actually in the opening credits uh, scene, you know, um, when, when they, you know, do the flashbacks and they run those credits. But Really? Um, That's funny. Yeah. yeah but 30, yeah. 30 um, years, right? It was 30 years ago, Raw. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but, ago, but you know what? I mean, as far as, the, you know, I, I would not be surprised in the least. If there's some sort of a uh, 
merger slash agreement between Peacock and uh, and Netflix because the, the, there are some of these streaming services that are struggling a little bit. Yeah. Um, because of you know the one one that certain shows others doesn't and and whatever. I mean even even when WWE had their own network, they ended up closing down in favor of going to Peacock. Right. So if Peacock's going to be going to be holding uh, Raw. I mean, I'm sorry, Netflix going to be holding Raw. I could see, right. um, um, yeah, you know, maybe. them coming to an arrangement because they're going to want the content and uh, and whatever. So I mean, yeah, I, I I could see that or having, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I could see that. The um, now again, they don't have Raw now, so it's not like Peacock is losing anything. It's not like it's not like they're taking something from Peacock and giving it to Netflix. They do they do replay. Like they put out highlights of yeah, Raw but like, the next like three three weeks to a month later, and though, then three weeks that. to a month later they will put up the the entire episode, so you can go back and watch every Raw ever on Peacock. So right, that the live streaming, it's not like you can go to live stream Raw on Peacock. The, so Peacock technically isn't losing anything yet, but I could see that now that WWE is now in the business with two different streaming networks, uh, right. I, or two streaming services, I could see some kind of of merger. And I don't know where Peacock is. I heard Evan talking about this 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 afternoon. Uh, Netflix is the most successful, or at least has the most subscribers still, uh, of all the streaming services, and Peacock yeah. is down. But that uh, list was before the 23 million stream the football game. I'm not sure how many people signed up for it, but it sounds like, oddly enough, it sounds like I know uh, Marash had tweeted this, and a couple people did. I, I've, I haven't had a chance to watch it, but a lot of people who signed up for Peacock just for the football have started to watch the show Ted. And apparently Ted's okay. doing, and Ted's doing apparently really well uh, streaming, uh, which is you know obviously a, a now a prequel television series of the two movies with Mark Wahlberg oh, the movies, and yeah. Seth MacFarlane about the, the well that, that's what I, I I'm pretty sure that's what a lot of these you know services are counting on that you know once you I mean I mean look you're always going to get the ones that sign up for whatever right. event and then cancel it you forget but, you forget about it I, I think it's, they're kind of hoping that they just, Stumble upon a show like, no, oh no. wow, they have that, and you know, yep. it's it's the same model of Planet Fitness. Planet Fitness has the exact same model, uh, business model as the streaming services do. They make it extremely cheap to join a gym that everybody yep. just thinks, my God, I went to the local gym down the street. They want they want seventy two dollars a month to join the gym. Right. I mean, and and Planet Fitness wants what a dollar to sign, and then they charge me ten bucks a month. No problem, of right. course, I'll join the gym. Right. And then you never go. And you never bother to cancel because they make you go there to cancel. How I know this, I'm not going to express, I'll tell you. I have no idea how I know this, but I'm aware of this. They make you go to the, the gym. You can't do it over the phone. You can't do it online. Right. you got to actually yep. get in your car and drive to the gym to cancel. And you don't care about it. You go, oh, I'll do it next month. Oh, I'll do it next month. Oh, I'll actually go. Oh, you know, it's only $10. Right. Life, before life you know it, you've, you've been yep. a member of the, of the Planet <laughs> Fitness gym for five years. And you haven't so much as walked in the place, and they have been yeah. collecting passing passive income from millions of people. They've been collecting ten dollars a month for years from people who don't that don't show up. Like that's their business model, and it's the same thing from the right. streaming services. Uh, te, you know, uh, Peacock is five ninety nine. If you get it without, you know, with with commercials, it's extra to get the premium without commercials. But you get it for five. And that's the other thing too, right? Yep. It's and especially like, especially like, let's just talk about who we're talking about here. For the NFL, it's guys like me and you, uh, whatever. It's like it's typically, you know, guys our age or younger, whatever. You sign up for Peacock, you you pay the five ninety nine for the month. 
you're waiting for the game on Saturday or whatever. You know you have it for a month. You'll go around. Oh, before you know it, you're watching the 1992 Royal Rumble, reminding you of your childhood. Yep. Oh, Ted's pretty yep. funny. And then before you know it, ah, it's only five ninety nine. Like, and that's yeah, and, that's and, how that's how they get you. And by the way, I don't know if you if you, I, I know you said you're going to look it up. That was. That was WrestleMania Seven with the uh, Martell uh, Jake Roberts uh, blind. I had match. two people reach out to me about me talking about that WrestleMania, where they literally in the WrestleMania it was WrestleMania Seven. You're right, and some other people yep. told me, and this one guy like defended it and said, "Oh, as a kid, I loved it." I'm like, "Man, oh, it was man, terrible. It's horrible. <laughs> it's the worst thing." And I like and I loved wrestling when I was a kid. I had a brief moment with it during the Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, and The Rock era of 98 to 2000 when I was like a junior and senior in high school. I got into it, and now I'm re-getting into it with my kids. So I'm, I'm somewhat of a WWE fan, but and certainly watching the old stuff is great. I love it. Uh, but there was a match, I talked about it yesterday, in WrestleMania 7, where I guess uh, Model the Rick Martel sprayed cologne or something in Jake the Snake's eyes. And it blinded uh, with that enormous, uh, yeah, with that had. enormous, like you know, uh, <laughs> big spray can that you would use to like, right, know, right. that you know, that Dan Aykroyd or, or or John Goodman used in arachnophobia, like that big, <laughs> like big, uh, that big thing uh, to to spray is pesticides. But anyway, right. so he sprays it in his eye, he goes completely blind. They give him contact lenses, so he's got these right. wide, widened over eyes where he can't see for weeks or whatever. And then they set up the match for WrestleMania months later, where they they to make it even, they blindfold everybody and they put yep. a bag over both of their heads, and the entire match and it lasted forever. It was a yep. twenty-five minute match of the two of them walking around the ring, feeling for each other, and then. Yeah. Jake the Snake was like pointing in a direction and was relying on yep. the crowd. He was like pointing in a direction, and if the crowd got him booed, in the DDT. he would he would keep moving yep. around until the crowd cheered. He was using the crowd as yep. a compass. It was the most yep. ridiculous. It was, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I, my yep. son, we we've been going through all the old WrestleManias. We watch a little bit of each one in the morning sometimes before school, <laughs> and we finally got to that one. And they 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 give you like the thirty second vignette on on how the story how the match came about. So I saw all the back. Right story of how he got sprayed in the eye and then different things and then they literally put a black bag over each of their heads and then they just wander around the ring i was like this is the worst i love wrestling uh, this is the worst thing i've ever yeah. seen how could they think i'll, this was I'll, a good I'll leave idea? it i'll leave it at this the the uh the i mean the, the card the card itself was good but the one of the best matches is one of the first ones in that in, in that event with uh Bulldog and the Warlord, one of the best matches of the event, but I'll, I'll leave yeah. you with that. So anyway, Bulldog have a good rest of the night, uh, C-Mac. All right, you, you got it. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate the call. Yes. I did not expect to just see Jake the Snake wandering <laughs> aimlessly, and he kept doing the same thing. He'd point in a direction, the crowd would cheer, and then he'd walk in that direction. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was so, And we all know the bag is, is see-through. We all know it. Like you can tell, like the it's kind of that you can almost see their faces. Like you can tell they're able to see through it. It was just so stupid. Like every once in a while, they'll give you something that's just atrocious. Like um, when Razor Ramon and Scott Hall left to go form the uh, the NWO in WCW, and then they replaced them with fake with with fake uh, Diesels and Razor Ramones. It was the stupidest thing I've ever. I was watching a, an old Royal Rumble, and this is what you get. I'm telling you, this is how Peacock gets you. There's nothing more nostalgic, I'm sorry, for our age if you were into it at all. Like, there is nothing more nostalgic. I would have to turn on, and I did during the pandemic a lot, an old Yankee playoff game or 
you know, what, go back and watch one of the old, uh, maybe like the Giants Super Bowl or something. I don't know, like to to really feel like nostalgia. But there's something about turning on those old wrestling events that immediately take me back to being a kid. So I watch a lot of them now that I have Peacock, and you know, watching all the the old Royal Rumbles and seeing a fake Razor Ramon come in. I was like, what is this? That's not Razor Ramon. I have no memory of that. I don't know. I've rambled on about wrestling enough. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you. Continue to take your phone calls. I still have to get into how Gary Sheffield is not a Hall of Famer, and it's pissing me off. He, he is Gary Sheffield is a Hall of Famer, and the fact he's off the ballot and someone got 90-plus percent who is not as good as him is bothering me. Let's talk about it. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. All right. Let's go here at 430 on a Wednesday morning. I got you for another half hour, 877-337-6666. The warm-up show coming up next at 5 o'clock and get you through your Wednesday here on The Fan. Uh, I mentioned the, the Hall of Fame, and, uh, you know, I, I just have a major problem with Gary. I don't know why I've done – I don't know why Gary Sheffield's the guy or I'm drawing the line in the sand, but I am. I don't know why I feel this strongly about it, but I do. And I've I've known he's been on the ballot, but for whatever reason this year that he's it's his last year on the ballot, it's it's actually bothering me because Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Mara Joe Mauer, two of those, Adrian Beltre and Joe Mauer, first time on the ballot Hall of Famers. Now I th- and Todd Helton, obviously, I think all of them belong in the Hall of Fame on some level. I do. Joe Mauer the only problem with Joe Maurer for me is he didn't catch enough. Half of his career is first base in DH. If you look at the games played, half of his career. So to be a 300 hitter, to, to win batting titles as a catcher, which he did, uh, is impressive. And his numbers overall really aren't, you know, as a first baseman, not enough power at all. Uh, and as a DH, not good enough. But as a catcher, his numbers profile is a Hall of Fame catcher. But he didn't catch that much. He did have Hall of Fame seasons as a catcher, and so it's 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 almost like he was whatever statistic you go by the greatness factor, even if it's a small span, such like let's say a a Sandy Koufax, for example, or your hey, listen, as long as you got the numbers, like his overall batting average, like so, his career is good. He had Hall of Fame years as a catcher, no doubt. To win a batting title twice as a catcher is special he was a special hitter at that position but he didn't play it very long and i don't know if he's worthy of being a a first ballot hall of famer when so many have not been but having said that and todd helton was brilliant and i don't blame him for playing in colorado if you're gonna knock people down for playing in colorado don't have a team there like sorry you put the team there the team drafted him he played there his career Uh, to hold it against him is stupid it's just stupid. That's like holding the 162-game season against people because Babe Ruth played in 156 or whatever. It's dumb. It's dumb. He played where he played. That's it. There's no reason to take it into account for Hall of Fame. His, whole, his numbers are, are Hall of Fame worthy. But 
I would argue to say, certainly than Adrian Beltre, who is 95%. He played forever. He was a very good hitter. He won, what, five gold gloves at third base, so he's a better fielder than Sheffield was. But who would you rather face? Like, plain, like easy. Bases are loaded, two outs, bottom of the ninth. You're on the mound, or your team is on the mound. Who do you want to come up for the other team? Would you rather pitch to Adrian Beltre, or would you rather pitch to Gary Sheffield? It's not even close. It's really not even close. Gary Sheffield was the far more dangerous hitter. And he did play forever, and he has 500 home runs. He has everything. Now, if you're going to use the steroid point, which I'm sure people are going to use, he tested positive on what was supposed to be a unanimous list that Big Poppy tested positive on reports. And that's all we have is reports. Big Poppy, same list. No problem getting in. Gary Sheffield admitted in public that he rubbed an ointment on his knee. That was the was the cream which had some steroids in it. I'm sure, like, was he aware of what it was exactly? He wasn't injecting steroids, and he's getting 63% of the vote, right? So, I mean, Alex Rodriguez, for example, who is a known steroid guy, got 34% of the vote. So it seems like he's not being completely dismissed as a admitted steroid user. Like, I'm, I just, I this... Playing this game sucks. And I don't know how much you care about the Hall of Fame. And ultimately, you know, how much does it really matter? But Gary Sheffield was as dangerous a hitter as they come. And was a feared hitter. More so than the guys on the list who got in. It's it's time to stop, and we don't even know how long he was doing it. What he do? He admitted to rub rub it on some cream. He didn't pass. He didn't fail an admitted test. He didn't fail a legitimate test. He was put on some list of uh, that was supposed to be held private. That guys who have who are now in the Hall of Fame were on. I don't know why Gary Sheffield. He's got 500 home runs. He's a 292 career here hitter, and he was year in and year out one of the best and most dangerous and feared hitters in Major League Baseball, and he played forever. He's got the numbers. He's got the legit Hall of Fame seasons, and he was just flat-out scary. And it bothers me that he's off this list now and has to wait to the you know Veterans Committee to have another chance to get into the Hall of Fame. When, honestly, he's better than the guy who just got 95% of the vote. It's, it's silly. It's silly. And it bothers me, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because of one of my favorite stories of all time in, in, involves Gary Sheffield. It's one of the, the, the great moments ever. At a Mike Francesa used to host this um, awards dinner uh, at Mohegan Sun. It was like the, the base, it was like a Yankees uh, awards dinner. I forget exactly who it was. It was uh, Mitchell Edis. Former former Yankee uh, and his wife had this charity, and they had this a big award sh- award show at um, Mohegan Sun, and it was a, for a charity for uh, I, I believe it was uh, uh, kids suffering from cancer, and it was this event that we went to every year. It was this great event. A bunch of Yankees would come, you know. Mike hosted it and see uh, and you know emceed the event, and it was this 
he would do the show live from there that day. And so one year I went with me and Monzo went and, you know, we do the show, which has a lot of families coming up and telling the stories and talking about how much the, the charity helps the kids and helps the families and everything. It's a great show. It's a great event. And one of the guys who was being honored that year was Dave Winfield. And so Dave Winfield was on the show. I got to meet Dave Winfield. It was an awesome experience. He was a little bristly. He wasn't in a great mood. I don't know what happened, but overall, good guy. But I found out later maybe why he was upset. So we get to the dinner after the show that night. And at the dinner, they gave you a little – They every table had – and every ch- uh, chair had a uh, a little booklet with a little bit of information about the players who were being recognized that year. And on the cover of the booklet, they had – it was four guys that year. I forget the other three. I, th- I, th- I think Severino was one of them. I forget. But it was definitely Dave Winfield was one of them. And on the cover, they had a picture of all the players. And on the picture, it said Dave Winfield. And there was a picture of Gary Sheffield, mid-swing. I'll never forget that. On the booklet for Dave Winfield, it had a picture of Luis Severino throwing a pitch. It had a picture of whoever else. And then there for Gary Sheffield, uh, excuse me, for Dave Winfield, there's a picture of Gary Sheffield in a Yankee uniform. I'll never forget that. I don't know if Winfield, Sheffield, someone just... Made the mistake, but there was a picture of Gary Sheffield swinging that bat, that ferocious swing that should be in the Hall of Fame along with the great Dave Winfield was on the book, was on the cover of that booklet. And you know what? If you can be mistaken, if you can be mistaken for Dave Winfield, you did something right and you should be in the Hall of Fame. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Swung on. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. I'll get into this more tomorrow with our five-hour show, but just real quick, just the difference. And I know we can get into the steroid conversation with it, which makes it, you know, adds an element to it that changes it. But just real quick, three 30 home run seasons. So you hit 30 home runs in a season. Beltre five, Sheffield eight. 100 RBI seasons. Beltre five, Sheffield eight. Top five MVP votes, finishing in the top five in the MVP. Gary Sheffield three, Beltre one. All-star appearances. Gary Sheffield, a nine-time All-star. Beltre, a four-time All-star. The difference is his defense. He's a five-time gold glover and a two-time platinum glove winner. And third base is less, um, you know, there are less third basemen in the Hall of Fame than there are just outfielders. And defense plays a role, no doubt. But And third base, I wouldn't call it a non-essential defensive position. But it's not catcher, it's not shortstop, and it's not center field. I mean, it's not one of the positions that really make a huge difference. You're not getting into the Hall of Fame being, I mean, I guess Brooks Robinson kind of did, didn't he? But these days, you're probably not getting in the Hall of Fame being the best third baseman. you got to put up numbers, too. And while he did, and I'm not knocking Beltre, and he is a Hall of Famer, but I just told you real quick, Gary Sheffield, more 30 home run seasons, more 100 RBI seasons, more top five MVP finishes, more all-star games. 
877-337-6666. Vinny in Atlantic City. What's up, Vinny? Hey, good morning. I guess maybe you should pull up Albert Bell's numbers and Jeff Kent's numbers. Oh, forget that. Why he's, I, I, not Albert, Bell, Albert Bell is just a useless argument. He's so clearly a Hall of Famer, it's a joke. Right. I mean, it's it's uh, that that's. I mean, he's better than he. You could argue he's better than both the guys I'm talking about right now. Yep. I mean, I, I, I'm old enough, 59. I remember he's called the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Very Good. So I think think it's just to lose it now. Yeah. I mean, Joe Maurer on his first ballot makes me wonder a little. bit. I have a problem with that too. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if he's worthy. I don't know if he's that good that he sh- he does he belonged on his first try. No, not and, first and, ballot. And I'm not Three one for that Hall of Famers are special. Yeah, I guess. I, I you're a Hall of Famer, you're all, and I feel the opposite way. Like the idea, I saw the article, and I, I saw a couple guys on SMY, and everyone's really excited that that uh, you know David Wright made it past the threshold to be on the ballot again next year. Like yeah, it's not the Hall of Famer. If you're not he's there not first, a Hall of Famer. I, I mean, like that's fine. I mean, that's fine that he's on the ballot. I mean, he he deserves, right. I guess, if that's some sort of recognition. But ultimately, so what? He got another year to remember he's not a Hall yep. of Famer. I mean, okay, exactly right. Number, I can't wait. I can't wait for next year like to re- I, I can't wait for next year so we can get to have the conversation again about how David Wright's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Like same thing with like Listen, people bro. hung up on that with Andy Pettit and like Andy Pettit's not a Hall of Famer. If he's off no. the list, he's off the list. Why do every year we got to remind ourselves that Andy Pettit's not a Hall of Famer? I had that discussion. He's not a Hall of Famer. Yep. Neither is David he, Wright. David Wright had a trajectory before the injury where he he clearly had a very good chance sure. to become a Hall of Famer, but he didn't. Same thing with Don Mattingly. They're not Hall of Famers. Speak, speaking of guys who had a Hall of Fame career who like could be on their way out, what's left on Stanton's deal? Any way to move him? Yeah, like is there, at the I, end of the year? No, I don't. Not right now. But you see it, this it, release. Uh, they're not going to release him. It depends on what he does this year. I mean, I'll take it. You have zero faith that he could be any kind of value to this Yankee team. I, I just think that he's just—he just—he's like a racehorse, man. He just can't play unless he's one hundred percent. And he's never hurt. He's always hurt. Well, he's always and I just hurt. think that long swing of his just—you know—a good week, two weeks, and then you don't hear from him. No, I mean, listen. I that, think that, it's a lot of money. Just you know, it is. It is. Now, listen. Well, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> What's left the- on this deal? Do you know? Yeah, I think it's another. I think it's another at least three years. It might even be four. Uh, it's a, it's a long time. He's got a long contract. Um, and thank you for the call. Uh, I still I still think he could be good. How many? I'm sorry, Mike. Yeah, so I know he's got the full no trade. I mean, he would have to be willing to be moved. Um, he's not. He's not going to get moved. Uh, uh, there's no way. Like, even if he didn't have the full nature, no trade clause, you would have to eat a ton of the contract. But he's not going to get moved. He's a Yankee. So he's got four years left. He's he's through twenty seven, and and we'll see. I mean, they might release him. I told you for the first time ever, Boone fully admitted to the idea that he's open to him being a platoon player. That's where they are with him. Now he's going to try and get his body in better shape. I f- have no doubt he's going to hit the IL at some point. He's going to miss twenty to thirty games. It's that's a lock. The question will be, can he be healthy enough to actually still be productive in the hundred and twenty games he's going to play in? If if he plays in that many. I, I agree, but I still think like I still think that dangerous hitter can be in there. I I do. Call me crazy. I still believe the best lineup has Stanton as the DH. I still do as of right now. We'll see. I don't think he's the disaster and albatross around the Yankees' neck that a lot of Yankee fans do. We'll see. And the Yankees are open to it. He, I I couldn't believe he said it. He fully admitted to the idea that the idea of Stanton being a platoon player against only left-handed pitching. He said we're not there yet, which means that they've they've thought about that. I wouldn't. I thought they would have said no. He's too good for that. 
another Vinny in, in uh, I'm sorry, George in Manhattan. What's up, George? Uh, let's go to Colton in Monroe. George is not there. What's up, Colton? How's it going? Yeah. Good. How are you? I don't know. I don't know why, but I personally put like a big value on these personal awards for the pro athletes, okay. and it's gold gloves, the all stars, and it really bothers me when we have popularity contests to the point yep. where, you know, you got guys that are clearly night and day deserving of a Pro Bowl if you go to football or an All Star, especially in basketball too. You have TJ Watt this year basically should be the defensive player of the year is not an all pro. So I just don't understand how that stuff happens. And well, he may miss some time. The- I, I think he's popular. I, he, I don't think that's a, you know, you're, you're, we're talking about the popularity contest of like a Gary Sheffield in this discussion makes sense. Uh, we a caller brought up Albert Bell. Like these are the guys mm-hmm. that uh, have, you know, been bristly with the media and the writers. And now that they find themselves out, uh, of the conversation for making it to well, the I Hall think of Fame. Baseball, yeah, baseball in and of itself is worse than all of the other sports. It's gotten so bad. We go upstate all the time, and I won't even go to Cooperstown if you're not going to actually acknowledge guys that are obvious to every single person other than some baseball writers that, you know, didn't get the answers they wanted to hear from these guys when they were playing. Like, yeah, David I mean, Ortiz I think that's something. getting in and being a DH for essentially his whole career, yeah. meanwhile testing positive, the same way that all these well, other guys that's did. the thing that bothers me, and thank you for the call. Big Poppy's a Hall of Fame player. I mean, Big Poppy's a Hall of Fame player. How, how could you say different? He's, he's, he's one of the – you talk about – I use the, the feared argument for Gary Sheffield. Trust me. Trust me. David Ortiz was feared. He was an inc- he's an incredible hitter, an incredible clutch performer. And that's the other thing with Gary Sheffield, World Series champion with the Florida Marlins, no World Series for Adrian Beltre. Um, but Big Poppy belongs in the Hall of Fame. But you can't put him in the Hall of Fame when, he, when his name was released on that list. Why? Because he came out and, and, and just absolutely denied it to the heavens and screamed and screamed and screamed and yelled and yelled and yelled. Is that what they should do? Because that's what Clemens is doing, and no one seems to give him the benefit of the doubt. Clemens, and he's won in court, hasn't he? Like, he's he's doing everything he can, screaming from the heavens he's innocent, and that he never did it. Now, do I believe him? Different story. But how come Clemens isn't allowed in, but, they, but Poppy is? More than, you know, one circumstance or that you have a guy uh, uh, fully admitting that he injected Roger and no one's come out and said that for for Big Poppy. Like Gary, Gary Sheffield was on the same list that David Ortiz was. And it did not it, it didn't stop David Ortiz, but it is now clearly, I think, hampering Gary Sheffield. And I just I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I I. You would have to really explain to me how Gary Sheffield, on his merits, is not a Hall of Famer. I mean, do we forget how good Gary Sheffield was? How great, and it's the, that's not the whole of good, it's the whole of great. Gary Sheffield was an incredible baseball player. He was a feared hitter. He bounced around a lot, fair, but he was the, he was the middle of the lineup best hitter, most feared hitter on almost every team he played for. Gary Sheffield's a Hall of Famer, and I don't know why. I don't know why this bothers me so much. I've had other guys come through that. I like, I felt pretty strongly about Mike Piazza. I mean, the, the idea they had to wait. The idea Mike Piazza did not get in, that took 
Mike Piazza five years, but Joe Maurer gets in on his first try. I mean, that's... I wonder what it was. Uh, Dwight, Nasbury Park. What's up, Dwight? Oh, yeah. Um, Wasn't um, Sheffield a threat to win the Triple Crown at one time in his career? Uh, let me see. Did Gary Sheffield ever come close enough to be, at one point in the season, a threat to Because I remember hearing about him being possibly having a, a chance to do, pull that off. Um, yeah, I mean, in 1996 with the Florida Marlins, he hit 314. He had 42 home runs, 120 RBIs. Now, uh, that's just a quick look there. He didn't win that need any no no three of those led the league, but I'd have And then the Padres in 92. Padres in 92, he hit uh 330, so he, and he won the batting title. He had 33 home runs, 100 RBIs, and he hit 330. Uh Do you know if he was a switch hitter or not? No, he's a right-handed hitter. Oh, he's right-handed? No, he's a right-handed All right, thanks for taking my call. No problem. And and honestly, a right-handed hitter who played 22 years and has a 292 batting average? Not a lot of those guys. Not a lot of those guys. I mean, this is a guy with 292 batting average, a 900 OPS, 500 home runs. I mean, it's just, it makes no sense that Gary Sheffield's not in the Hall of Fame. Makes no sense. Nine-time All-Star. Five-time Silver Slugger. He won a batting title, 1997 World Series champ. He has more, again, 30 home run seasons, more than Beltre. Three more than Beltre. 100 RBI RBI seasons, three more than Beltre. Top five MVP finishes, two more than Beltre. All-star appearances, five more than Beltre. And I'm not trying to tell you that Beltre is not a Hall of Famer, but he gets 95% of the vote? So you're telling me his defense at third base, because you can't tell me he's a better offensive player. Can't. So his defense at third base is worthy of 30% votage points for, to get into the Hall of Fame. His defense, his five gold gloves and his two platinum gloves at third base is the difference between 95% of the vote and 63% of the vote. Okay. I don't agree. I don't agree. And I, I think it's unfair to, you know, the, the steroid brush is a, a major problem. Because it's one thing to test positive. It's one thing to admit it. It's one thing to be found, you know, I mean, Alex Rodriguez ad- admitted to injecting himself with steroids. Then he was banged again for steroids. Then he, you know, attacked Major League Baseball. Like, at least I, I kind of understand that. But... I mean, you can't tell the story of baseball without him. And you can't tell the story of baseball without Bonds and Clemens. It's so stupid. And the idea that Gary Sheffield, because he's on the same list as David Ortiz, I have to imagine that's hindering him at the very least. Keep him out of the Hall of Fame. It bothers me. Gary Sheffield's a Hall of Famer. All right, thank you guys for calling. Thank you guys for listening. That's it for me. The warm-up show is next. Fleegelman, thank you. I'll catch you guys tomorrow at midnight for another five-hour ride. We'll get more into the games as we get closer to Championship Sunday. And we'll have some fun taking your phone calls for five hours as we do. That's what we do. We're waiting for that baseball season. Maybe there'll be a baseball move. I didn't get into the Yankees uh, changing their road jerseys either on this Yankee Hot Stove edition. Maybe we'll find time for that tomorrow. But everybody, enjoy your Wednesday. 
Have a great day. I'll see you guys tomorrow at midnight for a five-hour midnight ride. I am out of here. Catch you guys tomorrow. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. WFM.